Chapter 33 of The Romance of Modern Astronomy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Larry Wilson. The Romance of Modern Astronomy by Hector McPherson. Chapter 33 A Final Survey. In the preceding chapters we have dealt with the universe as we know it today, and with the means by which astronomers have reached their conclusions. The science of astronomy is in many ways the grandest of all the sciences, for it has enlarged our knowledge a thousandfold, a millionfold, beyond all the other sciences. It leads us to look outwards by means of the telescope and the spectroscope into mighty vistas in space and to look backwards in imagination over enormous vistas of time. Schiaparelli has called astronomy the science of infinity and eternity, and this phrase exactly describes the modern development of the science of the heavens. On all sides, the astronomer deals with the infinite and the eternal. The romance of modern astronomy consists in great part in the enormous extension of our knowledge of the visible universe, as a distinguished writer has well said, Compared with the fields from which our stars fling us their light, the cosmos of the ancient world was but as a cabinet of brilliance, or rather a little jeweled cup found in the ocean of the wilderness. Wonderful as were the achievements, and sagacious as were the guesses of the Greek astronomers, they little suspected what they were registering when they drew up their catalogues of stars. To the ancients the earth was the center of the universe, fixed and immovable, the end and aim of the entire creation. Round the earth revolved the moon, the sun, the planets, each in their own particular complicated pathways, and farther away the fixed stars, which they believed to be points of light fastened to the inside of a sphere. What lay beyond was outside the universe. The whole universe was supposed to be small in extent. Its size was quite easily grasped by the mind of man. The universe, too, in the opinion of the ancients, was created purely for the benefit of the earth's inhabitants, the sun to give light and heat, and the moon to illuminate the nights, while the stars were regarded as convenient secondary light-givers in the absence of the moon. What a contrast between these views and the truths with which we are acquainted today with modern astronomy! So far from being the center of the universe, the earth is not even the center of the planetary system. So far from being the largest and most important body in the universe, it is merely what we might call the secondary satellite of a second-rate star. So far from the dimensions of the universe being conceivable, they are absolutely inconceivable. The solar system alone is nearly 5,000 millions of miles in diameter, and the solar system is a mere point in comparison with a greater system of stars. No less remarkable than the enlargement of the universe in space has been its enlargement in time. To the thinkers of the Middle Ages, a few thousand years contained the life history of the universe. Stars and suns were all brought into existence 6,000 years ago. Beyond, nothing was known. Modern astronomy has pushed back the beginnings of things into the vista of the past. Millions of years, tens of millions of years, take place of thousands. By observations on the heavens, by reasoning on these observations, astronomers trace processes which require millions of years 
for their completion. Astronomy is indeed the science of eternity. Not only so, it shows that there is in reality no such thing as time, that it is a purely relative conception due to our position on a little planet revolving round a star. Our subject in the preceding pages has been the romance of modern astronomy, and nothing could have been more romantic than the steady development of our knowledge. Till today we know the universe not as the little corner which it appeared to our forefathers, but as infinity itself. A brief survey may be taken of the journey which we have traversed in imagination in the preceding pages. Naturally, the mind of man in its journey through the infinite begins with the earth, our dwelling place. By the revelations of astronomy, we behold the earth as a globe, rotating rapidly on its own axis, and in ceaseless revolution round the sun, on whose beams it depends for its existence as an abode of life. At a distance of 238,000 miles, we come upon our faithful satellite, the moon, the only one of the celestial bodies which revolves round the earth. The moon is the earth's peculiar possession. As has been seen, it is a detached continent, probably literally as well as metaphorically. For we perceive, too, that the life of the moon as a world is long since ended. It is a closed chapter in the book of time. Modern astronomy shows us that, as Flammarion puts it, in space there are both cradles and tombs. The moon is one of the tombs of the universe. Then our study of the earth and moon shows that the earth and moon form by themselves a little system. The earth-moon system, or terrestrial system, as it is variously called, within the greater solar system. In the earth-moon system, our scale of measurement is thousands of miles. In the solar system, we have to measure by a new scale, millions of miles. In the middle of the system, we see the mighty sun, whose diameter is a hundred times that of the earth, rotating slowly on its axis and holding sway over a system of planets of all sizes, and in addition, controlling the motions of the comets and meteoric systems. Examples have been given of the power of the sun, of the storms raging in its atmosphere, of the sea of fire which surrounds it, and of the atmospheric catastrophes which give rise to the mighty spots or rents in the glowing atmosphere. Reasoning has shown us the enormous age of the sun, that millions of years may elapse and make little change on the orb of day. So far as the inhabitants of the earth are concerned, the sun is eternal. Round the sun we see revolving the planets divided into the three well-defined groups. First we have the inner planets of which our earth holds the proud position of chief world, revolving at distances which vary from 36 millions to 141 millions of miles. This group includes swift little Mercury whirling round the sun with an enormous velocity, followed by Venus, then the earth, and next Mars. Next, we have the asteroids, the miniature worlds which fill the space between the pathways of Mars and Jupiter. Thirdly, we have the outer planets, revolving at distances varying from 484 millions to 2,700 millions of miles. Jupiter, with its retinue of eight satellites, Saturn, with its more wonderful system of ten attendant worlds and three revolving rings. Uranus, with its four moons, creeping along at a comparatively leisurely pace, 
and finally distant Neptune, the exile of the solar system, circling round the known boundaries of the solar system with one faint attendant. Across this enormous system, with a diameter of over five thousand millions of miles, the rays of light flash in eight hours. How vast is the system! How unthinkable are its dimensions! How unfathomable its depths! And how wonderfully is it regulated by that divine ordinance of nature, the law of gravitation! To the mind of the ancient astronomers, a system so vast as we know the solar domain to be, would have seemed infinity itself. They would have been unable to conceive so great a revelation of immensity. Yet when we come to study the stars, a new truth dawns on our minds, that just as the earth and moon form by themselves a little system within the greater solar system, so the solar system itself, containing many lesser systems, is also but a little system within a greater, the system of the stars. In the earth-moon system, the scale is thousands of miles. In dealing with the solar system, we are obliged to use a new scale, a scale of millions of miles. And when we come to consider the universe of the stars, this scale itself is quite inadequate. The scale is one of billions and hundreds of billions of miles. So too in regard to the motion of light, a second and a half is required for light to pass from the moon to the earth. The scale of light velocity for the earth-moon system is seconds. For the solar system, that scale is minutes and hours, and for the stellar system, years and centuries. In his popular astronomy, Flammarion brings home very vividly the isolation and minuteness of the solar system in the greater system of the stars. On a journey through space in imagination, the French astronomer writes, The sun himself, with all his immense system, has sunk in the infinite night. On the wings of intersidereal comets, we have taken our flight towards the stars, the suns of space. Have we exactly measured, have we worthily realized the road passed over by our thoughts? The nearest star to us reigns at a distance of about twenty-five billions of miles. Out to that star, an immense desert surrounds us, the most profound the darkest and the most silent of solitudes. The solar system seems to us very vast. Relatively to the fixed stars, however, our whole system represents but an isolated family immediately surrounding us. A sphere as vast as the whole solar system would be reduced to the size of a simple point if it were transported to the distance of the nearest star. The space which extends between the solar system and the stars and which separates the stars from each other, appears to be entirely void of visible matter. With the exception of nebulous fragments, cometary or meteoric, which circulate here and there in the immense void. 9,250 systems, like ours, would be contained in the space which isolates us from the nearest star. When we come to contemplate the system of the stars, to journey through it in imagination, we see our sun from a new point of view. It is merely a star moving through space and carrying with it planets, satellites, and comets. All the stars are in motion, some rushing through space with almost inconceivable velocity, others moving at a slower pace, but all rushing onwards at a speed to which we on earth are quite unaccustomed. There are in the system of the stars, so far as we know, about five hundred million stars. 
in addition to those bodies modern astronomy has revealed to us thousands of the luminous masses known as nebulae which form the materials out of which finished systems of suns and planets are wrought by the divine power in the course of ages then astronomy shows us the possible shape of the starry system it tells us of the galaxy that mighty region of clustering orbs the equator of the starry globe and it indicates that the starry system like the solar system and the smaller satellite systems is merely a system within a greater but what that greater system consists of and how far it extends the mind of man cannot tell even of this mighty system of the stars itself our knowledge is limited we do not know whether or not it has a central body we do not know the precise distance to which it extends we only can say that the more distant stars of the milky way are placed at a distance so great that it is almost impossible to express them on the scale of miles on the scale of light we can estimate that the light rays which dart from the moon in a second and a half and cross the diameter of the solar system in eight hours require thousands of years to span the mighty void the romance of astronomy can guide us no further on the threshold of a vaster system we pause and only speculation and theory can take us beyond but how vast a field of space has modern astronomy revealed to us eternity says flammarion is the field of the eternal sower throughout space we behold stars and systems in every stage of evolution nebulous masses clustering stars finished suns and systems decrepit worlds and finally dead and dark stars the eternal purpose of evolution is at work throughout the depths of space the divine will is in constant operation while suns and systems are being fashioned and nebulous matter being brought into new existence what a vast and mighty universe modern astronomy reveals to the mind of man a universe without bounds without beginning or end in time a universe in which the earth is but an absolutely insignificant atom a globule lost in the infinite night as flammarion puts it in the eternity of duration the life of our proud humanity with all its religious and political history the whole life of our entire planet is but the dream of a moment it is at this point the last of the great truths which we learn from the romance of astronomy that the minds of many get disturbed some sigh for the old ideas of a compact universe and a history of a few thousand years thinking it more conducive to religious faith others by accepting these sublime truths believe their faith shaken by the marvels which science has revealed these attitudes are both mistaken ones although the romance of astronomy ends when the most distant star is reached it has some bearing on the greater problem and the higher thought of men modern astronomy has revealed to us a universe infinitely vaster than was known to our forefathers it has correspondingly widened and exalted our knowledge of the creator of all things not only has modern astronomy done this it has also shown the marvelous height which may be reached by the human mind chained to a little revolving globule lost in the rays of a star yet able to span the vast spaces of the universe to weigh the stars to predict the celestial motions it has given us a deeper appreciation of the dignity of the human intellect 
which can soar above its environment into the regions of things divine and eternal. We read much in the Bible of the infinite and the eternal, chiefly as attributes of God. Astronomy gives us examples of infinity and eternity, and leads us to a higher plane of thought and of religion. The romance of astronomy is more romantic than any romance, more fascinating than any story. By its means we are brought face to face with infinity and eternity, and after a study of the wonders which it reveals to us, we can only repeat with deeper reverence the words of the psalmist, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness, and the power, and the glory, for all in heaven and earth is Thine. End of chapter 33 End of the Romance of Modern Astronomy by Hector McPherson